Hi, I'm Joanna Robinson. Join us every week on the Prestige TV podcast feed as your favorite ringer hosts like Bill Simmons, Van Lathan, Mallory Rubin, Sean Fennessy, Chris Ryan, Julia Littman, and many more cover the latest episodes of your favorite TV obsessions. From boardrooms to throne rooms to courtside and through the mushroom apocalypse, we'll be here throughout the week breaking it all down. Subscribe to the Prestige TV podcast feed on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts, from superchargers and brakes to exhaust kits and beyond, eBay Motors levels your baby up to its peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. What's going on, jabronis? It's Pitch Mr. Perfect, Skylar Aston. Hey, this is Bruce Pritchard. This is Roast Battle Season 1 champion, Mike Lawrence. Husky, Steve Kazee. This is Trey Kirby. This is your girl, WWE superstar, the legit boss, Sasha Banks. Hi, this is Lillian Garcia. My name's Kevin Owens. I'm Shinsuke Nakamura. I'm AJ Styles, the phenomenal one, if you will, and you're listening to the And you're listening, you're to, listening to, to You're listening to And you're listening, you're listening to You are listening to the Masked Man Show. The Masked Man Show. The Masked Man Show. Welcome to the Masked Man Show with Kaz. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing good, Shoes. How about yourself, brother? I'm great because uh, we have a very special guest today making his triumphant return to the Masked Man Show. Author of There's Just One Problem, newly out in paperback. Former WWE writer, VP of Seven Bucks Entertainment, Brian Gewurz. How are you doing, man? Good. Good. How are you guys doing? Doing good. Couldn't help but notice that uh, that ill Jalen Brunson autograph poster behind you. That's it. You made yeah. note of before we got on the air, so I think <laughs> I think we're in good we're in good spirits, man. It's good. To, it's always good to have you on, especially around this time, man. It's good talk. Is it only is it only New York sports memorabilia on the walls, or is there any wrestling? Do you have any Roddy Piper uh, t shirts back there, or anything like that? Yeah, yeah. I have I have two wrestling things uh, in the apartment, which is one, which is there's a picture of it in the book, is the t shirt that Roddy wore at WrestleMania 21 with his Piper's pit with Steve Austin that he gave to me, bestowed to me uh, at a birthday party, like way back in the mid two thousands. Um, and he autographed it. And I took, you know, I got pictures of that Piper's pit and put it in a shadow box and framed it. And I think that's really cool. Um, and the other is from 2002, um, icon versus icon WrestleMania 18 Hogan versus rock. Uh, where I had or asked uh, Rock and Hogan to autograph it, uh, which they did. And it was great, except, um, you know, Rock wrote on his arm in black ink. So you could like clearly see what he wrote. <laughs> and Hogan kind of used the black marker and wrote over his black shirt on the poster. So you really have to be 
like within, I'd say, you know, five inches of the poster to read what Hogan wrote. But I do appreciate, you know, both of them signing it. Uh, your book, it's an amazing book, is is out in paperback this week. Is that right? Yeah, it's out Tuesday, tomorrow. It's been it's been one full year since it came out. It's crazy. Wow. Um, and unlike like literally, um, you know, going on every single wrestling, wrestling adjacent podcast forum discussion, uh, imaginable, um, paperback, I said, you know what, let me just call Kaz and <laughs> do shoes, shoe. I don't know. I always call you David. That's I don't great. know. I'm not the, uh, he shoes now, man. He shoes to Kaz now, shoes to the world, whatever. Um, there you go. So of all, so the book is is a bunch of stories about your time working for WWE. Um, it's been a year now. Is there a story in there that you would say got you in the most trouble for telling, for writing down and say, and, and telling in public? You know, I don't think I really, I, I don't think I got into any trouble uh, with any of the stories in there. I was afraid that you know my when I when I had my like little falling out with Vince before we, you know, came back around again. Um, and, you know, it was like very personal. It was one-on-one conversation with me and him. I had never really disclosed it in any uh, podcast or talked about it on Twitter or anything like that. So, you know, where some of the stories, um, you know, I had, you know, I wouldn't say test marketed, but I told the stories before. This one I'd never really told before. Uh, and I was like, hmm, I wonder... Cause I did, I went to WWE, I go to WWE every now and then, um, you know, whether it's shooting something for WWE network, if they ask me or visiting friends in Stanford. Uh, and you know, a year ago I dropped off the books. I left one for Stephanie. I left one for Hunter slash Paul and he wasn't there, but I left one for Vince. I have no idea if he read it or not. Um, I have since seen him since the book came out. He hasn't mentioned it. Um, but you know, it, there was any backlash I thought that might happen. Uh, like, hey, you really shouldn't have told that story. I, I haven't heard. So, you know, no news is good news. You know, I always feel like when uh, people write books, especially from a perspective that people haven't really seen before, like you have, um, there usually comes a, a different sort of unclear sort of path that's com- that comes now after you sort of like open up, you know, the... Fr- for lack of a better term, the forbidden door of writers in sports entertainment slash pro wrestling, right? Uh, would you say anything has sort of changed in the way people see you, the the way people talk to you about wrestling or just wrestlers in general just coming up to you? I mean, I know when it dropped, a lot of wrestlers, uh, you know, I know you had Becky Lynch, Seth Rollins, a lot of wrestlers really... Um, you know, uh, give it the the stamp of approval. But what were conversations like about the book uh, since its its release with the current crop of stars that have read it? It's been really positive. Um, the The only complaint I got, if you want to call it that, is from Miz, who says, "Maurice can't stop quoting your freaking book. It's really annoying." <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I take that as a compliment. But yeah, everyone, I mean, I'm not just saying it because I, I, you know, if I had like a, um, if I had like a, uh, you know, someone decrying it or, or, you know, some sort of controversial thing, I'd mention it, but I really, it's been really positive. Like I'm, and I'm very appreciative of the fact that those who've read it, you know, in WWE and the wrestling community in general 
have put it over and enjoyed it. Um, and you know, there were, there was, you know, the, the, the coolest thing is, you know, when we, I was in Memphis last year for young rock and, you know, just scrolling on the old Twitter and, you know, I I'd never met Liv Morgan, um, before. And she was, she tweeted something like, Hey, we're flying to England and I'm enjoying this book. Uh, and there was a picture of it. I'm like, Oh wow. That's like really cool because we had never even interacted. It's one thing if it's like, Hey, come on, can you do me a favor? Can you mention the thing? Um, <laughs> for people who have never even met or interacted with to be like reading it and engaged in it, uh, that that's super thrilling. And the other thing is, and I know this is going to sound like so corny. Um, but I've, I've, <laughs> I've had a, you know, like a handful of encounters, pockets of encounters. Uh, the, the, when I was getting a, an emergency shirt before a trip to LA, I went to the Hugo boss at the JFK airport and, uh, the guy behind the counter recognized me from the book and, or a zillion podcast appearances or the WWE <laughs> doc. I was quite <laughs> present for my niece at a toy store in the Upper East Side. And the person who was working there, like literally jumped over the counter put his credit card down and said, I got this. I read your book. Thank you so much for all the entertainment you provided me. It was like really surreal and awkward. And like all the other people in the toy star are like, who in the fuck is this guy? (laughs) (laughs) Why, uh, you know, he's getting his, uh, toy paid for. Um, but it's happened like a, a few times, just like the, the idea that, you know, people have read it and enjoyed it. I know that sounds corny and everything, but it, it really is really, really, you know, I of course have no emotions. And as uh, my former writing partner once said to me, to my face, uh, I cannot love nor feel the capacity for love. Um, but it was still, it's still very cool when you uh, have those encounters. This is a daily show. So let's touch on some hot topics now. Uh, I was telling you guys before we started that I just kind of logged back on this morning for the first time in a week. And uh, certainly for the first time in a few days, and uh, one of our favorite topics, uh, CM Punk was back in the news, uh, apparently after the taping of Collision, and Kaz, correct me if I'm wrong, Brian, correct me if I'm wrong too, because I'm just absorbing here. Yeah. After the after the, the, the Collision went off the air, he did a, a promo to the crowd, so it was crowd only, but of course captured by a million iPhones, and um, basically ran down Hangman Page, who's the only member of the elite that he is legally not barred from discussing in public just, you know, talked some more shit, stirred some stuff up. Um, now all these other stories are coming out about him having various other wrestlers sent home from collision taping because he doesn't want to work with them or doesn't like their attitude and even management. And he's trying to, you know, involve himself in any, in every meeting that has to do with it. So there's a lot of stuff going on here, but let's start with the original thing. Do you have any, any experience with talent picking up a live microphone uh, back in your days <laughs> at WWE and saying stuff they uh, had no business saying? Um, that doesn't re- that didn't really happen all that often. Um, you know, like I'd say maybe like the closest thing would be during the whole Rock Cena deal, where yeah. Cena <laughs> came out and you know did not tell me or really anyone that he had made up a, I bring it via satellite t-shirt, uh, that he unfurled, uh, live on the air and then was nice enough to roll it into a ball and just fling it in my face as hard as he could when he got back through the curtain, when I'm sitting there on headset. Um, 
you know, but that was kind of like the, like, Hey, we're, we're in a, we're in a war slash shoot slash whatever. Um, you got to do what you got to do to, uh, you know, to stay alive. But yeah, I haven't, I'm trying to think of, uh, any, any moment, you know, the, the most infamous moment that does not qualify as this is when I think Hogan as Mr. America, you know, was posing for the crowd. And then he like uh-huh. kind of improvised, pulled his mask up and went, shh, you know, made a shush sound with his <laughs> finger. And then, uh, and then Vince watched it and was like, there it is. That proves he's Hogan. Now I can fire him on the air. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that didn't, uh, you know, that is not exactly the same thing as, as what you're talking about with punk, <laughs> but, um, for the most part. And we did, I think that was used in the storyline where he's like, this is irrefutable proof that Hulk Hogan is Mr. America. Therefore he's gone, <laughs> whatever he used it to his advantage. Um, but I can't really, I mean, yeah, like all the time, um, there'd be, you know, after the show went off the air, Cena would cut a, whoever the top baby face was, Cena would cut a promo, rock cut a promo, Austin cut a promo, Triple H, when he was a babyface, cut a promo. Um, but, you know, other than the infamous time that everyone is trying to uh, get The Undertaker to do a spin rooney up in mm-hmm. the uh, Pacific Northwest, um, I can't really, like, think of a time where, um, you know, it was like, oh, shoot, they the, the, the cut his mic. He shouldn't be doing that. Actually, let me, as I'm remembering these things, the only time it kind of maybe qualified is when we were shooting fighting with my family at Staples Center um, and the rock was in the ring and they're chanting CM Punk and rock, you know, he doesn't know what's going on with the whole punk WWE backstage stuff. And he pulls out his phone and is like, Hey, what if I called CM Punk right now? And, <laughs> and then triple H turned to me back at gorilla and was like, someone want to remind him we're in a fucking lawsuit with this guy. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, but, but, and Punk didn't answer. He was doing something else at the time. So it didn't really matter. And I think, you know, it was just more, it was more said, you know, I think Triple H said it like, you know, kind of like tongue in cheek, like, yeah, yeah. You're not legitimately <laughs> angry. But, um, but yeah, that, that it typically, uh, typically not, not something I've seen. You know, Brian, I, I've been on social media. Uh, I don't know. Wrestling Twitter has been hot because I think WWE has just been hot right now. And, mm-hmm. you know, anytime it's after a premium live event or after a big moment on SmackDown or there's like a new record or a new this or some new benchmark that WWE breaks, it becomes the the never-ending conversation of the Attitude Era versus now. And I think I tweeted something a few months back where... You kind of quote tweeted me and said, you can see where I'm coming from about certain things now probably being better in the attitude era. And then at the end of it, you said, with all that being said, absolutely not. <laughs> like, so let, let's, let's, ha- let's have it out on the podcast, man. Um, I got called an attitude era hater on, sw- on social media this weekend because ESPN put out a start bench cut of Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Rock, and John Cena. And I tweeted, I might be crazy, but I think I'll start John Cena for, you know, and I'm naming reasons, 20 years, tons of championships, kayfabe reasons and real life reasons, all that type of stuff. But I think the bigger question is that I want to ask you is just what's going on right now, right? Like WWE is is probably as hot as it's been since the Attitude Era, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And um, obviously you had a front row seat and, and more than that, just to kind of see 
it all happened. And obviously, um, barrier breakers don't get the same, you know what I mean? They don't get the same advantages of the people who just walk through the door, right? Like, we know, I understand we all stand on the shoulders of giants when it comes to these things, right? So the question I want to ask you is, what are you seeing right now in WWE television that gives you even the inclination that this is as close as to the buzz of the Attitude Era that they've had since since they've since those times. So, so I've been thinking about this a lot since since our tweet exchange, yeah, X exchange or whatever the hell. X, I think it's X now. <laughs> yeah, we'll just say tweet exchange, um, social media exchange. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so let yeah. So I could break. I could try to break this down. In my opinion. So here are three things that WWE has going for it now, which is way better than anything in the Attitude Era. Uh, and it's not necessarily even, you know, confined to the on-screen product. One, it's obviously the money it's bringing in, um, you know, the, the, the rights deals for the television shows, um, you know, it benefited from the fact that even though viewing is just so much more segmented now with streaming platforms and social media, video games, everything else. Uh, WWE, like most live sports is a show that you need to watch live for the most part. Um, if you really, really, you know, want to follow what's going on. Um, yes, you could do what I do sometimes just like catch up on Twitter or social media or whatever. Um, but for those who watch it, um, that is even wet, Back when we would get the ratings, we get like a tiny bump with the uh, plus threes and the plus sevens and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. But it was really like you need there's value in watching something live as it happens to advertisers and everything else because you're you can't not skip through commercials if you're watching something live. So even with like you know the rating and being different than it was obviously back in the day, um, that really. Uh, you know, is valuable. And it's something that Vince and the company was always trying to seek, which is always scratching their, you know, pulling their hair out going like, why doesn't like television and entertainment in general value us the way we should be valued, which is this really, really solid core piece of television and property IP that has a loyal base that gets live viewers when other shows don't. I mean, who else watches shows when they actually air on television anyway? Um, you know, no one does. Yeah. So there, the money and not just in terms of television and rights fees, but you know, the live events, two nights of WrestleMania, everything that, you know, they wanted, they being WWE wanted when I was there is now a reality in real life. Uh, the money is unbelievable. Um, the respectability that WWE has, it took, you know, like I, as a writer there, I hated when we switched to the PG era. Um, I thought it Mm -hmm. was stifling. And especially because Vince himself, you know, it said PG era, but really it was the G era. I remember Mm -hmm. getting into an argument with him because he was making me take out, you know, so I had someone write, I don't even give a damn. He's like, God, you can't say damn, we're PG. And I'm like, yes, that's my argument too. We're PG. (laughs) (laughs) That's why it's not something else. And not only can you, not only is it no issue for this person to say damn, but we literally have a character who only says damn. (laughs) And there's a feature that says damn on the same exact show. Like, oh, that's different. That's his thing. I'm like, oh, God. Like, I once, I facetiously once 
almost wrote into a show we joked about in the writer's room of JBL. This is when he was like, Shawn Michaels was his butler or something. And um, it's like, you know, should we just, apropos of nothing, just have, we might as well just have JBL turn to uh, a Muppet that we named Murple, this purple sock puppet, in our minds. This never actually materialized. Yeah. And just like this deep, what do you think I should do, Murple? Well, I think Shawn Michaels is a good <laughs> you know, like that. Because that's how ridiculous <laughs> we felt during that's, the That's how, uh, did, did yeah. it feel like crippling a little bit? I mean, like, you know, I, I, yeah, I, I had to. I don't oh, know cool. exactly the actual reasons through through the change. I think it was, I don't know if it was the, the politics of Linda or whatever, but like how just creatively, I mean, you mentioned one, one instance, but just how jarring was it to having to go from a person who could, you know, write about anything to get viewers in the era that Jerry Springer was running TV to, I can't even say damn, even though it's on a t-shirt. <laughs> it was very jarring because we didn't do a gradual, you know, recession. It just went like, you know, at a hundred to zero overnight, seemingly. Um, and anything that even seemed salacious or whatever was yeah, PG can't do that. But what that did, and I thought he was crazy events at the time, um, you know, PG coinciding with the guest host era and all that thing. And, you know, uh-huh. there, there'd be a lot of, you know, detractors of that era, but it really planted the roots and the groundwork towards WWE gaining respectability again with, mm-hmm. you know, the advertisers and general Hollywood in general, uh, because it made it safe, quote unquote, um, for moms and dads to watch with their kids. Whereas before, especially, let's say, you know, post-Attitude Era, pre-Ruthless Aggression Era, you know, when we're doing the stuff with Katie Vick and The Undertaker had a, you know, affair with, you know, we're just like, it was like, the 50 year old guy wearing that Ed Hardy shirt at the club with 20 year old <laughs> trying to seem cool and relevant and like, Hey, what's going on? It's just like, Oh, it's just so cringeworthy. But it, it really did lay the groundwork to, you know, I think Vince's vision of we should be treated like Disney. Um, and that's now so, reaping the benefits now because it, it made it safe to like go back in the pool. If you were on the fence of, should I let my child, you know, in a coming off an era where, Kids are getting suspended for wearing suck it shirts to school and raising the middle mm. bone middle fingers and all that. Um, it really, you know, it, it opened the doors and gained them a lot of respectability. So respectability is two. And then three, you know, the women's division is it's, it's not even comparable um, to the way it was treated and presented in the attitude era versus what it is now. Um, and it's not that, you know, the women in the attitude era and, you know, even if you want to call it ruthless aggression era afterwards, couldn't do the things that the women today are doing. Because a lot of them obviously could, not all of them, but a lot of them could. But the mindset at the time was the audience does not want to see the women in a cage match or does not want to see them in a ladder match. My God, what are you crazy? Um, <laughs> that was the you know, we want, we want the most beautiful women in the world. I think that was like one of their slogans at one point. Um, and that was just the mindset back then is that audiences, our audience does not want to see the women Mm -hmm. in those situations. And that mindset has been a complete 180 now. Um, it's, it's night and day different and, and for the better. So, you know, those I think are the three, and yeah, you know, I won't even say the in-ring work and action because there was 
unbelievable workers, you know, back in the day, you know, that was the style. Again, what was, you know, put forth down to us was, you know, shorter matches, more backstage vignettes, that kind of thing. Um, all that being said, to go back to the, why I think still the attitude era is still like, you know, it's like why Jordan is still better than LeBron, despite all that evidence. <laughs> right. Um, I think, I think it's really the lightning in uh, one of the reasons the lightning in a bottle effect of like, I think WWE's progression has been very gradual. Like this yeah. year better than the year before. And that's better than the year before that. Whereas like attitude era versus Duke the dumpster, Drozzy doink, the clown TL hopper era that preceded <laughs> it just a few years earlier. Yeah. was astronomical. I mean, it was so huge. Um, and then it's the fact that, you know, you had between Nitro and Raw, an average, whatever it is, 10 million people, not only watching, but all yeah. watching at the same time. They're not watching it. Like, and I know I was just talking about how valuable WWE is as a watching it live thing, but still, even watching the day after on YouTube, like the only thing you had back then were VCRs and about mm-hmm. 17 people knew how to program a VCR correctly. Right. <laughs> and it's not fun watching on VCR what they, you know, you flip, flip over like that, like tidal wave of like, just like, Oh my God, did you see what happened now? And now what's happening now? And let me flip that. Like that okay. mindset of 10 million people all at once engaging in it with it at the same time. Um, it's just something that really, I don't think could be replicated. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED highlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there, just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier, thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, 
right? All-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend. You can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. One thing I just wanted to ask you just to kind of stay on top of that is I know business-wise you've mentioned, you know, they're in a much different place, but how much does the talent have to do with that, right? Like, obviously, you talk about lightning in a bottle, having a Stonehold, a Rock, an Undertaker, the Triple H, all in their primes at one time. How much does the, the hot streak of WWE have to do with, you know, having the Bloodline storyline, this Cody storyline happening right now? Bianca Belair is becoming a mainstream sort of star, like... I know, like the po- the folks that listen to this are very interested in like the backstage stuff, but just from your point of view, the talent, what do you see? Just being a, a spectator and a sometimes contributor to to the current stuff, um, as a difference to the era when it was Austin Hunter, Rock, Taker, all those guys. I mean, talent has it. Talent's everything. I mean, the wrestling in and of itself is a talent driven business. It's not really. You know, if you want to, you know, the old axiom of like movies being director driven and television being writer driven, um, you know, talent is is first and foremost, you know, when it comes to wrestling, because they have so much input. And also it's an extension of themselves in a lot of ways, not always, you know, apples to apples, but in many ways it is. Uh, and also at the end of the day, they're the ones performing. They're doing it, as you know, no stunts, uh, no stunt people, no take twos, you know, if you flub a promo on live television, you got to get yourself through that somehow. Um, and I think right now, yeah, you're seeing that there's like a certain, I don't want to say comfort level as far as like, um, you know, apathy or laziness. When I say there's a certain comfort level, there's a certain comfort level in, you know, back, as opposed to the attitude era, not worrying about if WCW or is going to beat you this night. Um, or that kind of thing. And maybe, or maybe it has to do, I don't know what the reasons are. There are so many reasons why the bloodline storyline could have been over already and they could have ended it, Mm -hmm. but the patience they're exhibiting with the storyline and, you know, the, you know, the tender love and care that they're giving to it, whether you agree with everything that's happened or not. Um, I just know back in back in my day, back when you know when I was there, uh, there wasn't like a ton of patience for like super long term storylines. Because if something was flailing even for a second, uh, it was well, let's have Randy, you know, uh, get kicked out of Evolution tonight. Like, well, wait, <laughs> we just what? Um, you know, there's that. Um, there, there seems to be a lot more. Uh, long-term planning and not long-term planning so much as sticking to long-term planning yeah and and, and being yeah. able to be like yeah maybe this might not work but we're sticking to it when you watch uh, the stuff that they're doing on smackdown with roman reigns the whole bloodline saga i mean we're years into it at this point do you think do you have like a did you have like a, a two-year-long storyline in your back pocket that you're that you were always wanting to use or do you, do you have any sort of feeling twangs of jealousy that you that you didn't get to just really push on a storyline that's going to go that long we i mean look we always loved when a long-term storyline started cooking um and i could imagine the writers um, backstage and the talent um you know pride that they must take in 
you know, Sami Zayn as just like a little funny runner to a backstage bloodline storyline of him trying to get into the door to manifesting itself as a main event uh, that arguably could have been the main event of WrestleMania too. Um, And yeah, like I don't, I mean, I think the longest, most satisfying longest storylines that I worked on, um, you know, probably, you know, Chris Jericho and Shawn Michaels was one. Um, Batista's slow, uh, we learned our lessons from Orton and Batista's slow um, dissociation with Triple H and Evolution was another one. The cops are coming to get you for that take. All right. <laughs> oh, you got it. Yeah, I, there's like always a, there's a, always a siren outside my apartment. And no I was about one, to say, it's New York City. Get used to it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, the, the only thing that like, there were a couple that like developed organically and were kind of kiboshed for a variety of reasons. One uh-huh. being the love triangle with Triple H, Steph, and Kurt. Um, and you know, we, that's been talked about before, you know, there was a, you know, triple H didn't want to turn baby face. There was arguing argument whether he needed to or not, but you know, he just, that was one of those, like, well, the audience is liking it, but he's not liking it. Uh, and he's in a much more, <laughs> uh, higher position than I am to, uh, you know, continue this thing. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, oddly enough, like one of the funniest, like incidental long-term, and it wasn't even long-term, it was back then long-term was maybe like three months, four months was, like uh-huh. was, you know, we started like when we introduced Eugene and we just started planting these little jokes that his favorite wrestler is triple H. Um, and he had a triple H sippy cup when he was training with Regal. And when we did this thing with rock uh, and coachman, he's like, and who's your favorite wrestler, Eugene triple H, you know, and he does <laughs> And I remember Hunter like, where, are you, where is this going exactly? Because I don't think Triple H necessarily ever envisioned <laughs> having a SummerSlam, you know, main event match with Eugene. Um, but that became so like organically, it, it's it's similar a little bit to Sami Zayn in its own way. Not at that level, obviously, but it grew and it was something that no one could have planned or predicted when it started that, you know, Nick Dinsmore as Eugene slash Bischoff's nephew is going to actually turn into a legitimate opponent for Triple H on the second biggest pay-per-view of the year. Um, when those things happen, it's like so cool because it's, you know, the audience dictating like, hey, whatever you had planned, we are telling you it's going to be something else. I'd love to get your thoughts on LA Knight, man. Uh, he, yes, he gets please. He gets a lot of, added, I mean, the Miz flat out said it this past week on Raw, called him a, a attitude era fanboy. And uh, you know, his his rise has been incredible to watch. Um, lots of people have lots of different opinions. I'd love to hear yours on on LA Knight right now. What's going on with him? So it's funny, you know, LA Knight was do you do you guys know that he was a contestant on our first seven bucks first foray into reality television? Yes, so, yes. Yeah, this was, was, what was the, the name of was it the clips, wall? What was the name of the show again? The hero. The hero. Yeah. That's what it's called. Yes. That, that those clips have been making it around the internet as have like every commercial he ever did prior to that yeah. and everything else. So yeah, but but go on. It's so funny because this was like really my first foray into reality television. And the hero was initially like, we're gonna get heroes of all walks of life, you know, a soldier and a doctor and a fire 
you know, firemen and all this type of thing. And then when we actually got on the Zoom to cast the show, it was like, all right, who's our asshole? We need some jerks on this show. <laughs> and it's like, wait, what? That's not how it works. You, you need, you know, and I thought like, well, this is antithetical to everything we're trying to do with the show. And then I saw Sean Ricker come on the show as we were shooting in Panama and piss everybody off. Uh, you know, the other contestants on the show and insulting them and everything else. And I'm like, oh yeah, he's perfect for this. This is great. Um, to the point where like we, I think we recommended him for WWE after the show was done in 2013. Uh, and I think that might've led to his first foray into WWE. Um, and then obviously his history is, you know, well-documented as far as bouncing around and, you know, whether, I don't know why it didn't work out, whether his attitude or not, but it is the perfect, like him, him and that Miz promo was just like the perfect pieces coming together of like, as opposed to, you know, the LA Knight Bray Wyatt Mountain Dew on a pole, whatever match um, where <laughs> Bray's a new character at that point. LA Knight was just Max Dupree, like five seconds ago. Like you don't know who these people are. You have like yin and yang with Miz and LA Knight. They're the mirror version of each other. Uh-huh. Miz, I think, is like a year and a half, maybe older. They both started at the same time. Miz made it on Tough Enough. LA Knight didn't. Miz crafted a 20-year career in WWE where you can pretty much anything you could dream of if you were starting as a WWE star. I want to ultimately win all the titles, main event WrestleMania, meet my wife, <laughs> have two children, yep. have my own reality show, star in movies, like everything you could possibly dream of he accomplished whereas la knight bounced around all these different you know trying to get gigs trying to scrap trying to do all of this type of stuff and they manifested it perfectly in the ring i thought because the way sean la knight phrased it was he didn't make it because of lack of talent he didn't make it because he doesn't take shit from anybody and he, his mouth got him into trouble and he sticks up for himself and he is dangerous, whereas mm-hmm. Miz is safe. Um, and I thought that was a really brilliant way of like kind of crafting why you haven't been here as long as, you know, for as long as the Miz has. Uh, and calling Miz safe, like that's great because now Miz can do something you know, which has been out of character for him recently in recent years, but like truly heelish and truly horrible to LA Knight and get some serious heat and be like, who's safe now? You call that safe? You know, like that kind of thing really sets him up nicely. Um, and I just think, yeah, they're like basically it's sliding doors with them. Like if, if one, you know, one thing, it could have equally, you know, just been the opposite. As, as someone who's been there in the locker room and obviously, you know, you work with The Rock. A lot of times people hear LA Knight and they're just like, oh, he's just doing the rock. He's doing he's ripping off the rock or he's 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 playing like he's the rock or Steve Austin or whoever is there. We talk about this a lot as people for people who don't know really what these what these conversations sound like. But, you know, wrestling is a is a business of, you know, paying homage, paying tribute or straight up swiping from the people that came before you to see what would work. What what do you when you hear someone say, oh, he's just ripping off the rock? What is your. How does that how does that sound to you? Uh, I don't I don't consider him a rock ripoff. I think he's finding his voice. Um, you know, the John Cena 
with, you know, Bull Buchanan coming down and rapping John Cena and pissing on The Undertaker's grave John Cena in 2003 or whatever it is, uh, sounds way, way different than John Cena in 2006, 2007. You know, it, ta- it doesn't happen overnight. It takes time to like truly find your voice. And, you know, you can make a ton of examples, you know, Chris Jericho, Y2J in WCW and early, uh, you know, 1999 in WWE is a lot different than Chris Jericho circa 2008 and circa 2023, mm-hmm. you know, ever evolving. I would be very, I'd be surprised if LA Knight's character didn't grow and, you know, two, three years from now, you know, we're sitting around going, oh, remember you used to sound like The Rock? Oh, yeah, that was crazy back then. Yeah, it sounds just like that. I think he's like, it It takes time to truly find your groove, but he's he's doing like the Attitude Era stuff that he's kind of bringing back. And he's not, you know, it's not like consciously him being like, I love the Attitude Era, so therefore I'm going to invoke catchphrases and invoke, you know, uh, chants mm-hmm. back and forth. He's just organically doing it. And the fans, they've been so... <laughs> Like, I don't want to say deprived of it, but it, it's so been not a thing for so long that it almost feels nostalgic in a way to chant. They haven't really done that. I'm sure there's lots of, you know, examples that can be made after I say it hasn't been done since RVD. Um, but it's the perfect, th- you got the three syllable name that's very easily chantable. Uh, I'll, I'll take an arena full of yeah chants over an arena full of what chants uh, every single day of yeah. the year. And now I, I agree with what Miz said. Again, this is why it's such a great promo because it really symbolizes the bend but not, don't break principle of, you know, not to pick on WCW, but like, you know, late WCW, he's not following the script and, you know, that kind of stuff. That's, you've broken it. <laughs> the, the suspension of disbelief and the quasi, you know, that's like, where do you go from there? Versus, you know, what Miz and LA Knight were saying in the ring where all that stuff is true, but you don't have to know a damn thing about any of them before turning on the TV to get the meaning of the promo and enjoy it. Um, And yeah, like they may love you now, five months from now, we'll see. Now it's on LA Knight to to prove his sustainability and to really, you know, prove that he's not 2023 version of Eugene that had like this skyrocketing five months and then fell off a cliff for various reasons. Um, now it's on him. It's like, okay, your move LA night, this, this, you know, this persona and the catchphrases and everything else is a great introduction to the character and fans have enjoying doing it. Um, how he evolves. And I think he's very smart and I think he will evolve, uh, is going to be interesting to see. Is there a, uh, is there any truth or is that, or any sort of situations where age might have been a factor for LA Knight. I feel like a lot of people have been on both sides of it, right? There's some people that are like, oh man, you know, if they wait too long, you know what I mean? Then the buzz dies. And then there's people who are like, well, remember Diamond Dallas Page? Like he wasn't necessarily a spring chicken when he got hot. And then, you know, and they still kind of took their time with that. Um, how many instances, or I guess just when it comes to LA Knight, uh, do you see where that's really a factor when it's like, well, you know, if we don't take advantage of this right now, they might not feel like this about him in uh, uh, five months, six months, two months, anything um, like that. To an extent. I mean, first of all, you know, if he's 40 now, 2013 after the hero, he was only 30. 
So certainly age wasn't a factor then. I mean, yeah, 30 is not in your 20s, but still, you know, wrestling is different than any other sport out there in the sense of like, you know, performers in their mid 40s going on in, in, in a wrestling ring um, is much more plentiful than in basketball or football or baseball when, you know, you basically mm-hmm. hit 35 or whatever and you're done for the most part unless you're LeBron, who's, who's still not uh, Michael Jordan. But anyways, um, <laughs> no, LeBron is insane at what he's doing. But anyways, um, I think there is a little like shit or get off the pot factor with LA Knight because he is 40. He doesn't look it. Um, he certainly, you know, and Miz is whatever he is, 42. He doesn't look it. Um, but there's, yeah, to an extent, I don't think people are consciously – thinking about backstage, like, well, he's 40, so we'd better go with him because he's not getting any younger. That might be like in the back of people's minds, but I think more it's, he's hot. He's hot. Push him. Uh, you can't deny it anymore. You can't suppress him. You can't have him not be on the MSG SmackDown when you're in New York city and not take advantage of that. He's like, you know, there's a lightning in the bottle effect that when that happens, um, that is what you need to reason to go pedal to the metal, not because of his age. So this kind of circles back to what Kaz was asking about the, you know, how much the talent factors in to the success, right? I mean, there's a, there's a whole chicken and egg aspect to this discussion that, uh, you know, we could talk in circles forever, but when you're sitting at home and watching WWE or watch, you know, some clips come up on Twitter, or whatever, does it is it more often that it that you see a wrestler that you hear a piece of a promo and you say man i would love if i could just go back in the writer's room for one day i would love to work with that person or is it more like do you just wake up in the middle of the night with an idea for a story and the and the, and the talent is sort of separate from it like where, where where do you start with your well you probably don't want to go back but if you were going to go back for one day is it because of the talent or because of a story you want to tell that's a good question i mean i think I think it's a combination of both. I mean, like talent, like I said, talent rules in WWE. And, you know, one of the great what ifs, it's like, what if, you know, Vince or Paul or whoever just said, why would you ever want to change Max Dupree? Maximum male models is hilarious. He should just be the manager of them for the rest of his life. And wonder like, what if, what could happen? And none of these conversations would be happening. And and there's a ton of, you know, let's, let's keep them, keep that guy as the ringmaster. He doesn't need to be, you know, Stone Cold, but like a lot Stone Cold and The Rock with Rocky Maivia, you know, and, um, you know, LA Knight slash Max Dupree slash a million other aliases back in the day. Um, it's a combination, I guess, of like behind the scene forces, you know, pushing someone in a certain direction. But I'd say it's 75%, 25% split, 75% talent taking that ball and then making it into something on their own and 25% being the story um, that is, you know, being put forth them, at least at the beginning, you know, again, Sami Zayn could have easily, you know, just been like, I'm trying to be an honorary Uso. And then the audience doesn't catch on or he, you don't see the, you know, like the sheer fun that he's having on screen doing it and you don't see the chemistry with him and the Usos and everything. 
Um, like that is stuff you can't write. You can't write the chemistry and you can't write the reaction. You could try to, but what happens happens because of the way the talent performs it. Um, so I would say a little bit of both to answer your question. Like if I was working at WWE right now, I'd be excited about the LA night Miz storyline if they continue it. Um, but that would be almost an equal combination of the characters and the storyline fitting so seamlessly. Yeah, I, I got one last one, and, I, and I'm, I'm glad this is the last question. How much does The Rock look at his social media? Because I know he he he, he made a mention about Grayson Waller, right? And anything he even mentions in the in the in the stratosphere of professional wrestling, there's comments that are saying. Rock, go help your family. Your family's falling apart. What's going on? Like, I, I don't want to say what what's the holdup, but w- w- what's the holdup? Like, what is what is there? Is there a where is the where is the the pathway to where the Rock officially acknowledges Roman Reigns in some way, shape, or form? Like, th- th- there's well, got to be. I'm, I'm sure it's ha- it's been discussed, right? Well, first of all, let me just say, um, Grayson Waller, uh, who, as you may or may not know, uh, was our Ric Flair on Young Rock in season one, I think. So Grayson Waller, LA Knight, AKA Sean Ricker of the hero, um, you know, seven bucks production, just churning out the WWE superstars (laughs) left and right from the, uh, from their first, (laughs) you know, whatever, what's the word? From their first uh, iterations. Um, like, I would say this. First of all, yeah, The Rock does look at his social media. Um, that's, I, don't, I don't know how much he can cover when you have, like, millions upon millions and millions of uh, followers. But somehow, he saw the Grayson Waller thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> and he um, I don't think, I mean, look, we haven't discussed it. I personally don't think. Um, obviously, there are bigger things going on in the world in general. But just even in the entertainment landscape i would be let's just say this even though like wwe is not affiliated with any of the guilds and not affiliated with sag um i still think it's a bad look for like a prominent actor like the rock cena batista to you know appear on a entertainment program Mm -hmm. while there's a strike going on while people are not getting paid and are striking and picking every single day um you know, yes, it's not the same, but it's also like appearing on television in entertainment capacity. Uh, it's just not a great look when there's a strike going on, uh, for one thing. Um, so I would, I would say this, I I would be shocked if the rock, uh, like appeared anytime soon while uh, the strike is going on, but I would be equally, if not more shocked, if the rock never appeared in a WWE ring again. Um, Mm. and, 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 figuring in this storyline at some point too, but everything it needs to be, um, it needs to be crafted and discussed and thought about. Um, and if, if, if the rock let's say, again, we've never talked about this, just my opinion. If the rock all of a sudden like tweeted something about the bloodline, it's not like if I tweeted something about the bloodline, like who gives a shit? If he, something about the bloodline, (laughs) the gates of hell are open. Yes. You know, it's <laughs> close the door again. Once you do it, once you like dip your toe into the pool, like it's on. 
You can't just, you know, you could tweet Grayson Waller and he could tweet back and there could be a funny little exchange and you can mention it again, but there's not going to be this pitchfork like mentality of like, what are you waiting for? Do it. You started it. <laughs> uh, so you can have fun with that sort of thing. But once you start, once you start doing the bloodline thing, then it's time to go. And that's why you got to be very, very judicious and careful about it. In my opinion. You, you just gave a whole uh, audience of people another reason to end this strike and get back to the table <laughs> and figure this thing out, man. We got to finish the story one way or another. <laughs> These studios are keeping the rock off of WWE programming. <laughs> It's terrible. Um, Brian, thank you so much for doing this, man. Uh, one more time. Brian's book, is, uh, which you probably all heard of, but I'm sure if you haven't, you, you'll go buy it now. There's just one problem. True Tales from the former one-time seventh most powerful person in WWE. Um, it's an incredible book. If you like wrestling at all, go read it and check it out. You'll read it more quickly than you've probably read anything in a long time. And I mean that as a compliment. Brian, thank you so much for coming on the show. <laughs> thank you, guys. Always a pleasure. Yes, sir. Uh, thank you, Kaz, as always. Thank everybody for listening. Thanks to uh, our uh, producer, Brian H. Waters. Um, let's just, do you want to do, you want to get your, get your plugs in on the way out, Kaz? Yeah, man. Catch me on Points Bet USA talking all things hoops. We count it um, every day this week. And we got a whole lot of Harden to talk about, as you can imagine. Um, catch me on Say Less coming back end of this month as well. You could also cast me on the ultimate show on Peacock on This Is Awesome and many other uh, things on your TV. And oh my gosh, I forgot um, my Instagram show and YouTube show called uh, the the uh, Even Stronger Podcast with WWE 2K and 2K Games. We got some great episodes. Go check it out on the 2K YouTube on the Instagram. Had great interviews with Ricochet, Liv Morgan, some of the developers of the video game, and we just had a great uh, episode about to drop with Wade Barrett. He's a new character into the game. He's going to be downloadable content. So we got to talk to him about returning to the WWE video games. And it's a really dope uh, interview. So can't wait for you guys to check that out, man. You can find me here. You can find me on the press box. You can find me uh, uh, on the Ringer Wrestling Show feed a lot of the time. But we're doing new uh, Heels Season 2 episode recaps Friday night. Uh, be sure to check out everything on that awesome feed. Thanks again to our producer Brian H. Waters, to Kaz, to special guest Brian Gewertz. Uh, apologies as always to John Moxley. We'll see you back here on Thursday, Humanoids. Peace. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side-by-side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today.